0: Thanks for joining us for the City Church Podcast. More information on City Church is available at www.ourcitychurch.org. You happy to be at church this morning? Good, me too. Welcome. If you're new here, my name's Justin. I'm the lead pastor here. Grateful that you've decided to join us. Listen, there's a lot going on in uh, in the kingdom of God right now. It's an exciting time to be alive, so I'm glad that uh, that you've joined us. This is our last um, part of a series, a five-part series, where we've uh, examined some of the most difficult things that Jesus has said, and uh, we decided to call the series Jesus Said. And so, um, Hopefully you've been blessed by that. How many of you have been here for all four other parts of the series the last four weeks? A lot of us. Okay, good. Awesome. It's been a real, um, I know, a, a real challenge for me, you know, just to dive into some of these passages like cut off your hand and rip out your eye and hate your mother and all these things. And so uh, now here we are, lame and hating our mom. So it's great. It's a good time. God's doing good things. Before we jump into all that, I want to give you just a quick news flash announcement. Things at City Church have been pretty wild. Um, well, pretty much since we started. And, uh, Now, we just had our two-year anniversary. God's doing some great things, and we felt like the Lord wanted us to take a couple of big risks this fall, and so many of you know about this, but next Sunday, we'll start our first uh, Bridgeport service at our Bridgeport campus, so 10 a.m. at Bridgeport... It's going to be really exciting. Now, we'll still have the 9.30 and 11.30 here, and uh, we actually have some special surprises for those of you that will be here in New Haven. So it's going to be a great time in New Haven, going to be a great time starting in Bridgeport. And then the following week, October 26th, is a Saturday, and we'll start our East Rock location on Humphrey Street right here in New Haven on East Rock every Saturday at 6 p.m. So that'll start on the 26th, two weeks from now. So uh, you've got Bridgeport starting this week. Uh, The the other location starting the 26th, we thought we would just, you know, Do it all at the same time and just be ridiculous. So um, that means that every weekend after the 26th, you'll have a Saturday night in New Haven at the other location in East Rock, two Sunday mornings here in New Haven, 9:30, 11:30, and a Sunday morning in Bridgeport at 10. And so, going to be a lot of fun. Now, in order to kind of get the ball rolling on all that stuff, um, we've organized some teams. By the we, I mean not me at all, and mostly Carol Samuelson. But um, Carol has organized some teams of individuals to go out and. just spread the word about the launch of the Bridgeport location in all different sections of the Bridgeport area and sort of beyond. And so uh, you may not be from that area, you may not care about that area, but I want to really encourage you to consider getting involved in this kind of final stage promotion piece of launching that location. That will be Friday and Saturday, and I ask Carol to come out and sell it. So sell it, Carol. Come on, give her a big hand. Yay!
1: Hi everyone, we are so excited Bridgeport launches and I just want you to know that there has been so much prayer and so much excitement for this. We have six teams going out. They're covering Fairfield University, University of Bridgeport, Sacred Heart University, uh, the neighborhoods of Bridgeport, uh, the Fairfield Green and the Stratford Green. We are blanketing this area, but we need you and we need you to give two hours, just two hours. To do a, an amazing job here, we've got a sign up outside. We have teams going out Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, and Saturday afternoon. If you can give us two hours to love on this community in Bridgeport, I keep looking at this and, and I'm kind of sad because this is my last week here. Oh, but I know, but. We're bringing this to Bridgeport, and they really need this, and the students need this. So if you've got two hours to give to us, there's a sign up at the welcome sheet, um, at the welcome table, and (laughs) join us. Oh, and I I was meant to say, the Fairfield U team, they're bringing donuts. That's what I'm
0: saying. (laughs) That's what's up. All right, come on, give her a hand. Thank you, Carol. Awesome. Awesome. If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 15. We're going to cover... Three verses on the front end of this talk. This one's a little bit of a conglomeration of interesting collisions. So we're going to do three different passages in the scripture, tie them all together, hopefully uh, by God's grace. So I'm going to read the first two in the amplified version of the Bible, and then we're going to read ESV for the third one. Uh, if you're new here, um, just uh, the, all the words will be up on the screen. Don't feel like you've got to you know, find all these passages in a Bible or something like that. You can follow along on the screen. I'll read all three, starting with John 15. Verses 4 and 5 in the Amplified Bible. It says it like this. Dwell in me, this is Jesus speaking, and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. John 17, verse 26, this is also in the Amplified Bible. John 17, verse 26, follow along on the screen. I have made your name known. Now this is Jesus praying to the Father in heaven. I have made your name known to them, that's his disciples, and revealed your character and your very self, and I will continue to make you known that the love with which you bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. Last passage is Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You all doing okay? Good. We're just going to do this the entire sermon. Just read different chunks of the Bible. I've got 316 to read, so we're on number three. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. I'm going to read down to verse 48. You have heard, this is again, words are read, Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Today we're going to talk about love and talk about loving our enemies and talking about Loving those that we don't naturally love. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your presence right now. Um, Jesus, I confess my absolute and complete dependence upon you. Jesus, my heart's ambition today is to honor and please you with these words. I pray that you would work a miracle right among us now. That these words would not be the words of a man, but that every one of us custom fit for our own hearts and lives and situations today right now, would hear the voice of God. I pray that the word of God would speak to us clearly, that we would hear heaven today. God, I pray for the person that's far from you, that maybe was invited by a friend and and doesn't know Christ. I pray that today, that for the first time in their lives, maybe they would hear from you. And Jesus, I pray for those that have followed you for a long time. I pray that your voice would cut through all of our distractions and bring us to a new place today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. So, um, you know, in this series, Jesus said we've covered a lot of very interesting, challenging passages. We covered this idea of, you know, cutting off your hand and gouging out your eye, hating your father and mother. Last week we looked at this idea that Jesus said, I am coming. Anybody remember? Soon, thank you. Yes, I'm coming soon, right? And so he talked about, you know, how soon he was coming. And we looked at the eschatology of the return of Christ and how that applies to us personally. Have you ever struggled to love someone have you ever met someone that is just a stinking pain in the neck to love don't hopefully you're not sitting next to that person right um, you know, but I remember I was sitting in an office with someone recently, and uh, they were—they were, I had never heard this phrase before. I've been around Christianity for a while. You know, I've heard uh, Michael W. Smith and the Veggie Tales, but this one snuck by me somehow. And, uh, and so this wasn't a Christian phrase I was open to. Maybe you already know it, but I was sitting with someone, and an annoying person walked in, okay? And the annoying person did their annoying things, and then they left. And the individual looked at me and said, yeah, they're kind of an EGR. I was like, okay, it was extra grace required. It's like, oh, that's the Christian way of saying that they're a pain in the neck. I see. See, anybody from like south of the Mason-Dixon line, you're kind of from down south? Oh my gosh, they're always the loud ones too. It's unreal. Well, if you're from that area, you know that down south, um, they're not quite as calloused as we are up here, right? But when somebody's kind of a knucklehead, they don't just tell them that. Instead, they go, oh, bless your heart, right? Oh, bless, bless. That means you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot, but that's my way of saying it to you in a way that makes it sound like I'm affirming you when I'm actually cutting you down. Bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. You can't even park your car. Bless your heart, right? (laughs) Have you ever lost your cool over little things? You know, like, um, of course, this has never happened to me, but it may have happened to you before where you're at a restaurant with someone and, um, you know, the waitress brings Swiss cheese instead of American cheese, and you are just like angry. This has happened to me where it wasn't me that was angry, but it's the person that I'm with that was angry. And I'm watching them just like unravel because of the cheese on their sandwich. And it's like, wow, that's pretty pathetic. You know, like, I mean, that's probably maybe happened to you. I don't know. But, you know, have you ever gotten stuck behind a really annoying driver and, uh, you know, you're just caught there and you find yourself speaking to them in expressive language through your windshield? You know, maybe not. Maybe it's never happened to you. Have you ever been to the DMV? This is basically the leveling ground for all humanity. You find your own carnal sinfulness at the DMV. I went to the DMV a few weeks ago because my wife and I bought a minivan. And so we drive a big, funky-looking minivan. Thank you. Thank you. Three, kid number three got the minivan, you know. And so we bought this minivan. We have to register it, of course. And so I slug my way out there at like 7 o'clock or whatever to get in line, you know. And here I am with 378 people standing outside waiting for the DMV to open. And this guy next to me just decides to start telling me his life history in regards to his car purchases. And he's telling me about how the registration was different in 1962 and on and, on. and I'm just thinking to myself... <laughs> This is, this is hell. This is it. Some of you, just to be really brutally honest, cannot control yourself when it comes to your Facebook posts. Oh, and so, and so what you do is you're kind and sweet and nice, but then somebody voted for the other guy on Facebook or somebody endorsed the other program that you don't agree with, and you take out your absolute AK-47 and just, just destroy them on their main page, and then you end it with, like, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, you know? And you have these brutal Facebook posts, because I've read them, so I know that they're there. And it's interesting to me that, that there are nuances within our culture that we feel like it's okay to just take the gloves off and not act like Jesus. And, you know, interesting in Matthew chapter 5, this is the first passage of the three that we'll look at. Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus says to love your enemies. Um, it's interesting that he says that, that loving those who love you is not a distinctly Christian characteristic. And I would have to agree. Um, that loving those who love you, that doesn't make you a Christian, right? Even fervently loving those who love you. Don't you know, think about it for a moment, someone in your life circle who has a marriage, who the two individuals really love each other and have a good marriage, but they don't care at all about Jesus. They don't, they don't care. There's members of my family that I know that that have a loving, caring relationship, and it's by and large a healthy marriage, but they don't care at all about Jesus. It's not Christian just to love those who love you. You can think of friends that have other friends, and maybe you went to high school with a group of friends, or college with a group of friends, and you guys are close, and you look out for each other, and you care about one another, but most of the people in that group are not followers of Jesus. Well, that's not a distinctly Christian thing, simply to love those who love you. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus pushes this idea to an extreme, right? And he says, I want you not just to love your friends, I want you to love your enemies, And he does that so that there's no more wiggle room for any annoying people in between. If you're going to love your enemies, then that means the entire gamut, the spectrum of humanity must be loved by the believer in Christ. And so he leaves us with very few people that we can say, well, I don't need to love them. And he doesn't say tolerate them. He says, love them. Do you have an enemy? I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't. I don't know. In our world, you know, when Jesus was writing this 2,000 years ago or saying this and his, his disciples were writing it down, you know, it was very clear that Rome was certainly an obvious enemy. You know, they were um, slaves to the Roman Empire. And so certainly, you know, that's a natural, yeah, okay, I should love even the Roman soldiers. Okay, I get that. But today, <clears throat> enemies become a little bit more nuanced, has it not? I mean, sometimes. Maybe it's your competitor at work where everybody else is trying to undermine them and trying to cut them back or cut them down. But Jesus is telling you to love that person. Maybe it's somebody in your family who mocks your faith. And every time you get around and they just take a couple shots at how ridiculous it is that you follow Jesus and go to church. Um, You know, I don't know who your enemy may be. Maybe it's someone who voted for the other guy in the last election. And so you're saying, man, listen, I love Democrats, but Republicans I hate. Or I love Republicans, but Democrats I hate. And you find yourself being disrespectful to other people of whom God loves simply because they voted in a different direction or have different convictions about how government issues should be handled. Maybe for you, when you think of a suicide bomber or somebody who attacks other people, you think of them as an enemy and is it possible that God would have me have compassion or even care for those, pers- those people? Or what about somebody who murdered someone that you know or somebody that committed a crime that was just so terrible or unjust? What about a past relationship in your life where someone hurt you really bad? A mother or a father or a woman or a man that you were in relationship with, that you're now divorced from. Is it possible for you to love that person? Is it possible for you to express genuine Christian love for that individual? Verse 47 in Matthew 5 kind of gives us the piece of what I would consider to be a capstone. A major important element to the Christian faith. And let me just read it to you and then I I want to teach you some Greek. And if you greet only your brothers, this is verse 47, what more are you doing than others? What more are you doing? That Greek word... For what more that we see in the ESV translation in the English there is this Greek word perisos, right? And I'm saying that right. I know I am because I looked it up from a Greek guy who taught me how to say it. Perisos. And it means something surpassing. Something remarkable. In other words, he's saying you Christians should have something extraordinary. Something that is not a matter of course. Genuine Christianity should include something uncommon. So think about Uncommon for a moment. In the world of science, you've got lots of scientists, many people who have grazed the plains of science over the last hundred years, but above them all, it seems that Albert Einstein's name stands out, does he not? And we've actually begun to use his name, not just as, you know, the human that he was, but to just mean that you're smart in general, right? And so if a kid is smart, you say, wow, you're really an... Yeah, you're an Einstein. Or, you know, in basketball, you know, you might have all these different athletes and many different skilled athletes. But for some reason, when you step back and you look at the last 50 years of basketball, Michael Jordan's name just seems to appear above them all. And it's not that he always scored more points or always won more games. It was something intrinsically about him that was uncommon. As an athlete, when you look at presidents over the last, you know, 200 years and you gaze at all the different presidents, it seems that Abraham Lincoln is one of the ones that just seems to go, wow, something was uncommon about that man. Something was powerful about that man. When you look at religious figures through the last hundred years and you see all the different individuals and, you know, all the different nuns that have served the church in various different ways, then there's that one nun that just seems to stand out from amongst the many nuns, the little woman from Calcutta, Mother Teresa, right? And you see her and you go, there's something uncommon. Well, in the realm of love, human interactions around this idea of love, what Matthew 5 tells us is that the Christians should be the ones that don't just love in the human way, those that love them, but should carry a what more? A something extraordinary. A something that differentiates them from all the people around them. An uncommon, distinctive love. And this is why Jesus says that it's a city on a hill. That it lights up the whole city. When somebody has a love like that, that when you meet somebody who's got a love like that, you stand back and go, What? Where does this love come from? Where does this love come from? Well, in verse 45, we get a little glimmer as to where it comes from. Jesus says this so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So God describes his own love. As something different from human love, yes? And so human love, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, you look up the word love, you'll find that it's an intense emotion or a deep affection. And yet God's definition of love doesn't seem to be directly connected with an emotion or an affection, right? God's definition of love seems to be connected with an action. God so loved that he gave. Yeah, that he gave. That was great. Yeah, nobody even guessed that one. That he gave. And so God's definition of love is to give of yourself for the benefit of others. To give of yourself for the benefit of others. To give of yourself for the benefit of others. Now that may sound normal. You go, yeah, I got that. But how often do you give of yourself for the benefit of others with no conscious desire for a reciprocal response? Because God loves and he loves out of his nature. We love and we do it typically so that we get a response to that love. The difference between our love and God's love is he doesn't demand that response. He does it because it's who he is. I've been meditating on this all week and, uh, you know, really trying to ask the Lord to just open up opportunities where I can express this type of love to others. You know, and uh, just yesterday I was by myself in my house and my wife was out with our kids and, uh, and I noticed that our dishwasher was full of clean dishes. And uh, the sink was full of dirty dishes. Now, that's not my job in the home. I don't do the dishes. I do the trash and pay the bills and do some other things like mow the lawn once a month or once every two months or whenever I can't walk through it anymore. But my wife um, typically does the dishes, but I realized that the dishes were not done. And so I decided in that moment to do a Christian love thing and just say, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to just do it just to do it because I am holy and an incredible husband. And so I did. I emptied the dishwasher and I put all the dishes that were in the sink away. And then my wife got home and she's washing something in the sink, and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? She's like, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Good. She noticed that there's there's no dishes in the sink. And she looks at me, she goes, Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. No problem. I walked away, felt the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you just blew that one, Justin. Just blew that one, looking for that reciprocal response. I mean, you know, there was something in me that just had to show her that I had done that. And it was so, like, petty. I was like, are you serious, God? I had to just show her that I had done that so that I could feel that approval from her and the thanks. I couldn't just do it just to do it, something as small and as insignificant as that. Maybe you've experienced this tinge of this God kind of love in your own life. I can say that I have, you know, that there were... um, there were days, specifically early in my Christian walk, that I experienced this God type of love. And uh, I remember years ago, I was probably 17, 16 or 17 years old, I was, um, I was on a trip to Louisiana With uh, a group of people and my soon-to-be brother-in-law was there. I would marry his sister later in life who is my wife now. But uh, at the time, he was just a friend and his name's Bobby and we were on this trip together and we were stopped in Louisiana at some rest stop or something like that. And I looked over and I noticed that there were some guys, some homeless guys that were just kind of hanging out on the side there. And I didn't think about it. I didn't plan it. I didn't strategize it. I didn't do it so people would watch me. I just walked over and started talking with the guys. And I started talking with them and then I started praying with them and then I bought them some lunch. I just connected with them for 10 minutes and then I came back to the bus because we were getting ready to leave and as I was getting ready to leave I was genuinely oblivious to the reality that that wasn't a normal thing for a Christian to do and I walked over and I my you know brother-in-law Bobby looked at me and said what, what were you doing and as a 17 year old it was just I was kind of new to my faith and I was like I, don't, I was just I don't know I just just being nice to those guys and he looked at me like he was looking at Jesus he was like wow you just did that just to be nice to them like, yeah, I mean, I didn't even, I guess that was Jesus in me, kind of loving them, you know? And um, I know for me, maybe for you, when you first turned to Christ, there was this effortless love of others that kind of flowed out of you because you experienced the love that he had for you. But maybe you're not like me, or maybe you are, and through the course of your journey with Jesus, it seems that sometimes that simple affection for your neighbor that expects nothing in return is lost. I am... Um, I told you last week about how two years ago, right after we launched the church, we got into a car accident, me and Jeremiah and John, some guys you may know. And um, Jeremiah almost died and, and uh, was in the hospital for over a month and broke 11 bones and everything else. And we got in that car accident because we had stopped to help somebody who was broken down on the side of the road who'd ran out of gas. And so we're pushing their car, and we almost get killed by another car that's not paying attention. And, you know, I have to be honest. Every time I see somebody broke down on the side of the road, there's something inside me that goes, mm, not today. I'm not going to do that today because, you know, because... You know, I've helped a lot of homeless guys in my day. I've helped some guys that are in need and and, and then there's a lot of guys that I haven't. But you know, I uh, I realized the other day, um, I was walking into a meeting with someone right here downtown and, and a guy came up to me and said, "Hey, listen, you know, you think you could help me out? I just need some money for my for the meter. I ran out of money and I'm going to get a ticket. and I don't want it. my car's right there. Do you think you could help me out?" And I just felt sketchy on it. You know what I mean? I just felt sketchy. And so I said, "Yeah, man, I can help you. Out. Come on. We'll go put some money in your meter." He said, "No, no, no, no. You don't worry about it. You don't have to cross the street. My car's right there. Just if you just give me the dollar, I'll just go do it myself." And I said, "No, it's cool. I'll walking over he's like no 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 you don't you don't have to you don't have to walk across the whole street just to good money and I looked at him and said that's not your car is it he said no no it's not my car and you know you meet enough con men you get in enough accidents and all of a sudden if you're like me something hard starts to develop on your heart and you don't even recognize it and um God's been speaking to me about this uncommon love for probably about a year. And it's only been the last month or so that I feel like I'm starting to get traction for what's happened in my own heart. And I don't know what's happened in your heart, but I wonder how many times this week you've expressed an uncommon love. I wonder if you even consider expressing an uncommon love. When's the last time your flesh squirmed because you were loving in a way that made you so uncomfortable? Last week, I was, uh, I was with my boys, my older two, Gabe and Noah, and we were just getting out of the house for a little while. And we were doing that because, you know, my wife, we just had a baby and she just needed some downtime and the kids are kind of crazy. And so we had nothing to do for two hours. And we got out of the house and we we're just going to do nothing, like go run around in a field or something. And so we're getting ready to leave and we're pulling onto the highway and uh, the kids are in the back in my minivan <clears throat> and, uh, and I'm, uh, you know, driving and, and we pull up and there's a guy next to us with a sign. And the sign says, uh, homeless, please help. And, uh, you know, I saw him, got on the highway, and my son says to me, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, what did that man's sign say? And I said, oh, son, it said homeless, please help. And I could hear my two kids kind of calculating in their mind. Okay, we have nowhere to go. We have nothing to do. That man says he needs help. Daddy's a pastor and should do stuff like that. We just drove past him, and there was this kind of like this awkward silence in the car and uh I could hear my kids processing and I got on the highway, and like this uneasiness started to like fill my heart and all I can think to myself is what the heck happened to me? What happened to me that that I didn't even pause to ask the Lord if that's something he wanted me to do in that moment? What's happened to me that I've become so routine and so busy or so I don't know what that the extraordinary and the uncommon seems to take a back seat to the strategized and the planned? And I started thinking about it and uh, you know Jesus is the one who wept over Jerusalem. Jesus is the one who cared for the broken. Jesus is the one who fed the multitudes and Far too often, I find myself pretty distant from that heart. Pretty distant from that reality. And as I processed this this last week and said, Lord, I read these words in Matthew 5 and it says, Love your enemies. And it says, Pray for those who persecute you. And it talks about how we're supposed to have this type of love. And if I'm honest, I I just said to God, God, I don't have that. Like, I don't have that type of love naturally. I have a check out what I just emptied the dishwasher type of love. I have a pat me on the back for something I did good kind of love. I don't have this natural give it and expect nothing in return. It's not my nature just to disconnect from something that's mine and not even want some type of accolade for that type of thing. And I found myself just saying, God, I'm at the end of myself. I don't have that type of love. I don't think like that, and I want to. Scripture number two, John chapter 17, verse 26, Amplified Bible. Jesus speaking to the Father. I've made your name known to them, and revealed your character and your very self. And I'll continue to make you known, check this out, that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, that I myself may be In them. So notice here that we see that God's love gets ingested, deposited, put in our hearts when you and I begin to see who God is. He says, I made their character known. I revealed your very self that this love may be in their hearts. And so as I see who God is, I begin to receive this love. Well, who is God? Well, his character is no more clearly displayed than on the cross. And of course, on the cross, we see Jesus Christ, God incarnate, hanging there. And of all the things he could be saying in that moment, somehow this man is saying, Father, forgive them. They're wicked. They're blind. They don't know what they're doing. I ask that you forgive them. Jesus is interceding for the enemies who are killing him. This is the love we see. And when you pause and you think about the Christian faith, you realize that you and I are the enemies that crucified Christ. That before we were aware that he was the righteous one and the holy one and we should give allegiance to him. Before we were aware that he was the Messiah, we were enemies of Christ. Yes, you were. Every time you did something rebellious, every time you walked away from God, every time you acted like he was distant, you lived as his enemy. And at that moment when you were his enemy, God had already decided to love you. And he gives us a love that violates my sense of justice. Look at the love that he gives those that would receive it, those that would follow him. He says, I've made your name known, I've revealed my character in your very self, and I'll continue to make you known that the love with which you've bestowed upon me, wait a minute, See, in the scripture we see again and again and again this idea that the Father gives for the Son, and the Son gives for the Father, and the Spirit gives for the Father, and the Spirit gives for the Son, and the Son gives for the Spirit. And within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there is this ongoing circle of love, and it's defined by giving and expecting nothing in return. And so they, the three, three in one, are consistently giving for the other. And there's this love that they have that's perfect, and it's perfect because they're perfect, and it's holy because they're holy, and it's without any limitations or borders because they are without limitations or borders. And Jesus here is saying that the love that you have, Father, for me, the internal Son, you're going to now give to these people. Messed up, broken, selfish people, you're going to give perfect acceptance and right standing with you to them And when you look at them, you're going to say the same thing that you said when you looked at me. This is my beloved son, and I am well pleased. Friend, herein lies the secret of Christian love. You can try your whole life to love your enemies. You're going to struggle. You're going to try your whole life to pray for those who persecute you. It's not going to come naturally. So how do we ignite within our hearts genuine, authentic Christian love? Maybe you're here, you've been playing it safe for a long time. You've been playing it safe and just loving your family and just loving your kids or just loving your friends and letting a few people into that circle and not letting beyond. Let me tell you, the distinguishing mark of the Christian life is an extreme and audacious love. It's a love that goes beyond what's safe. A love that risks and takes risks that would even put you in a place that's not always the best for you. A love that does not seek something in response. And the real secret to understanding and operating in that love is found right here. And 1 John, he says, we love because he first loved us. Us. See, your ability to love with an uncommon love flows from your understanding of his love for you. The only way that to love like Jesus is to actually be loved by Jesus. Here's the big idea of what I'm trying to get to today. You can write it down if you like. Your capacity to love others expands as you comprehend his capacity to love you. I said your capacity to love others expands as you comprehend his capacity to love you. See, as you see the love he has for you, it expands your capacity to then step out and love others. You may say, I'm bankrupt, Justin. I don't have a love like that. Well, friend, you can try to cook it up your whole life or you can gaze upon the love of Christ. And as you see it for what it truly is in all of its offense and violation of your sense of justice, You find within yourself this capacity expanding to love others in a way that may violate their sense of justice. Thanks. See, in Matthew chapter 5, he tells you to act like a son. Doesn't he? He says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. You can't act like a son until you've been adopted. And once you know That you know, that you know, that you know, that you're adopted. Then you can start to love. That you may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I don't know why we have such a hard time letting him love us. I don't know why we have such a hard time believing in a God that loves us beyond what our own intellectual capacity can handle. But if you and I dared to believe in the love of God as articulated in Christ, then we would find the secret to love like he does. Last verse, John chapter 15. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. There it is. Live in me and I will live in you. In other words, if you get in my love, if you dive into this love and you live in it, I'm going to live through you. Just as a branch can bear fruit of it, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding, being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Stay with this idea. Jesus is using an analogy between a vine and a branch and he's saying, listen, if you cut the branch off, it's got no life. But if it's connected to this vine, it's the actual producer of fruit. You don't find too many grapes on a vine. You find them on the branches of the vine. And so with Christ, you're going to find the fruit in your life when you receive the life that flows through him. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Nothing. You don't have the capacity to love like this. You can't love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your enemy. You can't because you operate from a paradigm in which love must be returned in order for you to continue to give. But what I'm introducing to you today, and sometimes maybe reminding you today, is that there's a whole different category of love, a whole different language of love, and it's the love of God that says God so loved that He gave. He gave, and He wasn't looking for anybody to acknowledge the fact that He emptied that dishwasher. He gave because it's His nature to give, He gave because that's who He is. And as he dwells in you, that's who I am. I am tired of living a safe Christianity that doesn't step into the much more. That doesn't have the mark of the uncommon. Have the extraordinary written on it. Have you done anything in the last week that stretched you beyond your human capacity to love. I've always loved the writings of Richard Wormbrand. Uh, you may know who he is. He was a pastor. 13 years in a communist prison in Romania. And uh, put there by a communist regime that was threatened by his faith in Christ. And because he followed Jesus. Richard spent 13 years not seen his son grow up, not seen his wife. And uh, there's many things that he said that's taught me much about love. Here's one of them. He said, I have seen Christians in communist prisons with 50 pounds of chains on their feet, tortured with red hot iron pokers, in whose throats spoonfuls of salt have been forced, being kept afterward without water, starving, whipped, suffering from cold, And praying with fervor for the communists. This is humanly inexplicable. It is the love of Christ, which was poured out in our hearts. Have you grown weary of a safe love? Have you grown weary of a safe love? Jesus says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. Maybe this morning, a spirit of adoption could kind of sweep through this room, and we begin to realize the great love of God, that the Father has given us the same love that he has for his son Jesus, a perfect, blameless, spotless, limitless love that he's put upon us. And maybe if you and I would actually just believe that love and receive that love, our capacity to love others would expand, and maybe if each of our capacity to love others expand, we could see literally an awakening of love that goes beyond the normal and steps into the uncommon. Is it dangerous? Certainly, it is. Is it scheduled? Usually, it's not. You stand your feet with me. I don't know where you are at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your personal life and what's going on with God, but I do know that God knows, that the Holy Spirit of God knows and he's here right now and we prayed that God would custom fit this to your life and I pray that right now he does. I pray that right now that the Spirit of the Lord would begin to talk to you specifically about the love that you have or have not had. And here's the thing, don't make a commitment to God to love more. You don't have the capacity to do it. Instead, during this time of singing, turn your eyes to Jesus and gaze upon what Christ has done for you. And in the midst of your gazing, ask the Lord to expand your capacity to love. One of my favorite musicians of all time is a hippie piano player by the name of Keith Green. And Keith wrote this song that I think about often and maybe it describes where you're at right now. He said, my eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is is hard and my prayers are cold and i know how i ought to be alive to you and dead to me oh what can be done for an old heart like mine soften it up with oil and wine the oil is you your spirit of love come wash me anew in the wine of your blood maybe that needs to be your prayer this morning as we sing these songs Holy Spirit, we take these moments now to sing. I ask that you enable us to process what we've just heard, the word of the Lord. And I pray that you stir us right now to gaze upon Jesus and what you've accomplished for us. We welcome you, Lord. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged by this City Church podcast. Visit City Church at www.ourcitychurch.org.